you have your Bibles, would you stand with me tonight? We have condensed the service, just uh, cut out at least one song tonight um, because going across the road and some of our people still have to travel tonight, but I want to jump in the Word. I've worked four new sermons on light versus darkness. Our state youth director assigned me a topic entitled Light It Up. So I've researched almost every New Testament scripture that really speaks of light and darkness. Some Old Testament, Isaiah speaks about in the last days how evil would be good and good would be evil concerning those that live in the time of darkness. Tonight, I really just want to share with you my introduction and share with you a thought that I believe that will help us in seeing our children and grandchildren saved, our colleagues, our co-workers, and our neighbors. I believe that maybe we have been praying the wrong way concerning some specific things that we're dealing with with people that are lost. How can one child quickly, so quickly be saved, yet but your other child, it seems like they're just running from the Lord. How can two children raised in the same home, one be in the choir singing here at North Wahala, and yet the other one despised church? How does that happen? And I want to show you tonight that I believe that there must be a specific prayer and a specific thing that must happen so that they can have a God encounter that would change their life. Let's go to the book of Acts tonight, chapter nine. I'm gonna give you the story and not so much of the working in the epistles, but maybe the story of conversion where other scriptures speak about that conversion. In fact, Anthony, Paul's conversion alone is mentioned three times in the book of Acts alone, not concerning other writings to the church. I will actually speak of the conversion. So let's go to Acts chapter nine, verse one. When you have it, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You awake tonight, amen. Let's go together. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Don't just see him as religious, but also see how evil this is. See the hatred, see the venom, see the pain in his life and voice here. The Bible said, went to the high priest and asked letters from him, permission, approval, to the synagogues of Damascus, going to another town, so that if he find any, now watch this, this was a term that was given to the early Christians here at Damascus. It was not a term of endearment. It probably was a term used by those who opposed Christianity and how it's, it's like they made up just a, a making, make fun word of about them, so to speak. The Bible said that if they found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them back to Jerusalem and he journeyed and came near to Damascus and suddenly a light, somebody say light, shone around him from heaven, one more verse, then he fell to the ground and heard a, verse, a voice, excuse me, saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What a moment. What a God encounter that changed not only his life, but as the man of God said this morning, a man that wrote most of the New Testament, what we need to happen tonight is some God encounters with some people that don't know God tonight. Some people that are blind by the God of this world who need a God encounter and need the veil and the scales ripped off of their eyes. That's what I want to preach about tonight. I want to preach about personal 
darkness tonight. Would you stretch your hand this way? I want God to move in this house tonight. I want God to speak through me. I know it's a holiday season, but I believe we're here and we know God is here. And I want God to move a few days ago in prayer, praying over the body of the young people that would be there this week as well as our church. I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me about people that are living in personal darkness. That before there could be a great move of God over the body, individuals would have to deal with things that they're battling in their own mind. I could break down a few more things about how we walk in light. We're not even supposed to speak about the evil deeds that have been buried up under the blood. But tonight I want to share with you a conversion, a story that I believe not only highlights your life, but will highlight others that God is going to save this week and throughout our church services in weeks to come. A few weeks ago, Leslie was saved. Uh, actually, last Sunday, Leslie was saved. They're not here tonight. They're at the funeral home. But Leslie was saved. We have prayed. We have prayed that God was saver. We have prayed against darkness and God rewarded us, amen? That's the power of God, the power of salvation. As we look tonight at the scripture, let me begin to preach this way. When you come to Acts chapter nine, we see the gospel progressing from the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit said. The gospel was gonna progress in three stages or three movements. The first movement we know would be in Jerusalem, that the gospel there, the gospel present, the Holy Ghost descends, the church is empowered, then the church will begin to see the benefits of the Holy Ghost by people being saved not by ones and twos but by the thousands. But then there will be a second move and the second move is what we find in Acts chapter 9. The second move would be the Judea, the Samaria. Uh, you see it based there through the apostles of John and Peter. You also see it there uh, move not only with, with Peter and John I should say there but you see it also move with Philip, a, a good churchman, one that was moving up under heavy anointing. You're seeing the gospel leave Jerusalem. Now I can show you why it left Jerusalem. It left Jerusalem because of persecution. The church was being persecuted. So instead of staying there and dying, the devil persecuted the church, but against his own knowledge or wisdom, I should say, it, what, it, what happened was, instead of the church staying in Jerusalem, it sent the church out. And that's what we're called to do, amen, to Judea and Samaria. So in Acts 9, what you have, you have the church in the second stage of ministry. But what God was about to do was take it just from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and take it to that next level, that uttermost part of the earth level, that fulfillment of prophecy, that fulfillment of the Joel prophecy, that fulfillment of the Holy Ghost baptism. But to do that, God does two powerful things. First, he allows persecution, and then he takes the murderer of the church and says, boy, I'm about to do something in your life. Isn't that just like God tonight? When God takes the foolish things of this world and confounds the wise. When God was about to move the church to the uttermost part of the earth, he doesn't take the preacher, he doesn't take the Sunday school teacher, he doesn't take Danny, but he finds the one in the community that is trying to tear the church apart and he says, yeah, I, I think I'll use him. See, God doesn't need just our ability and God does not need our reputation. What God needs is a willing heart submitted to him that says, God, I can't do it by myself, but with you all things are possible tonight. Can somebody say amen in this house? What amazes me that when God's trying to move to the third stage of that prophetic fulfillment, God's working in the second stage, getting ready for the third stage, showing us that while God's working here tonight, he's working here to do his will and good pleasure. But not only to do his will and good pleasure, God's working in the present, preparing us something for the future. 
<laughs> Children's ministry, college and career ministry, youth ministry. Why it's so important is not because we sit them on a pew, but we understand that while they're working in their element and learning at their own level, don't miss the moment though, because what God is doing now, he's perfecting for tomorrow. God is in the present doing present things, but those present things have long-term eternal ramifications. Are you listening tonight? So what God is working in that second stage, he's moving through the third stage, and the way that he does that is not at camp meeting, but he sees a man by the name of Saul. Saul is on his beast. He has just left uh, the synagogue or got approval from the leaders to go to the synagogue. Should I say, are you with me tonight? Are you with me? Stay with me. He's on the way there because he has approval now to go persecute the church. He is not just persecuting the church, these Christians. He is trying to eradicate them. He's trying to abolish them from the face of the earth. Now he has the backing of the religious world. And this is an evil man at this time. This is a dark man. We miss this. We preach it as Saul now just, just persecuting the church. He's not just persecuting the church. He's dragging women out by the hair. He's having Stephen stone. This man is destroying the church and people are become martyrs for the kingdom of God. He's now on his beast on the way to Damascus. Darkness is in his life. He is an evil man. He's an ungodly man. He's a man that has an agenda, not just a personal agenda. He has a missionary spirit about him. He's not just going to Damascus, but he's sending others out as well, telling them, if you find any that's in the way, or of the way, I should say, they thought they were in the way, had them brought to us. That was kind of a, a term of, that they made fun of them. That's them Christians. Uh, how many Pentecostals ever heard this? They're a bunch of holy rollers. Anybody? They're a bunch of tongue talkers. They're, uh, they, they wash feet. Those are crazy people. They love their neighbors. They love their enemies. See, the church was so powerful because of their DNA spiritually, but by, by that DNA, their actions were changing their culture. And the only thing they could come up and say, these are the people of that way. They're different. They're peculiar people. Isn't that what the book of Peter says? That you and I are strange people. We, we are peculiar. Peculiar people, why? Because we have been brought out of darkness into what? His marvelous, yes sir. We are different not because of my last name. We are different not because of who I am. We're, not, we're different not because of my ability to preach. We are different because in 1996, God took me from darkness to his marvelous light and changed my life forever. Come on, give him praise tonight. So Saul is on his beast there. And quickly, I'm not going to hold you long tonight as something great is about to happen. He is consumed by total depravity. He is living in total darkness. And the sad part, and this is what I, you've got to get tonight, he is right and justified in his own eyes and in his own way. The greatest danger of somebody that is working against God is that they feel like they're right in their own eyes and in their own way. Listen to me. They are the most dangerous people in their life, in the church, and in their family. When you think you are right and justified, but you are working against scripture, brother and sister, you are in trouble and you are in danger. He believes he is 
justified. The Bible said in verse one of chapter nine, there in Acts, he is coming and he's breathing threats and murders against the church. Have her, take her out. Take Sister Romel out. Take Herschel out. Take Pastor Godwin out. He's breathing threats and murders. Killed that one. Killed that one. Imprisoned that one. He feels like he's all powerful. Nobody can touch him. He is untouchable. He is full of arrogance and pride. Brother Nolan, you can't believe that. You can't prove that. Oh, yes, I can. Later on, Paul will give his testimony. He said, I was the chief of all Pharisees. When it comes to education, nobody had the education that I had. Paul gives his bio in the book of Philippians, his crown joy. But then what did he say? But I laid it all down that I might know him in the fullness, in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Paul said, one time I thought I was somebody, but I had a God encounter. And when I had that God encounter, God put a mirror to my face and showed me who I really was and it changed my life forever. I still believe God can turn somebody's life around in this house tonight. But watch what God asked him. Listen, I'm hurrying. Watch what God asked him. He said, Adam, where art thou? He, he didn't ask Paul that directly. He said this, Saul, why are you working against me? Why are you kicking against me? He's basically saying, who do you think you are? That you're working against what I'm trying to do. What is your motives? What is your plans? Why are you claim to be so spiritual, but yet you're so evil? Saul, why are you kicking against the prick? Arise and go to a city and there you'll be told what to do. What happens, listen to me. While Paul is writing and boasting of what he's about to do and making his plans like some of you are here tonight and some that I will preach to this week, they're about to have a God encounter. They have a, a sense of what God is and a sense of what grandma told them. And that's what's wrong with us. Let me be plain about this. We'll take the opinion of a person in Hollywood over the word of God. Can I just preach to the people I love tonight? Just be myself. We take the opinion of what my daddy says instead of what the Holy Ghost says. Oh, I love my father. I'm not being disrespectful, but his word must match up to the word of God. Not because he's just my daddy or my granddaddy. There's been times he's told me scripture that was not true and him and I had to have a conversation when I become the learned scripture and knew of the word of God. Saul is on his way and he has his plans all worked out. But his plans were not God's plans because God was gonna go from stage two to stage three. But what God needed was him and he didn't know it. And the people that he was going to kill and prosecute, they're about to be the ones that were gonna guide him by his hand and teach him about God himself. Listen to me tonight. I don't care how dark they are. I don't care what their sins are. I don't care if it's adultery, lying, gossip, or homosexuality. And can I say this and you not get mad with me? I think one of the hardest sins that I've ever dealt with, you know what it is? It's not homosexuality. It's gossip. I got three amens tonight. Nobody else is amening. It will destroy a house. It will destroy a church. It will destroy a ministry because many times we tell things that we only have part of the story. And when you only have part of the story, you can't tell the whole story. I don't know who I come to preach to tonight, but while you're on your road and on your way and you have everything worked out, how many know that God still shines a light into darkness and the darkness cannot put it out? Can somebody say amen? 
I had somebody debate me one time about seeing Pentecostal slain. And I listen, I, I know there have been some that fall just to fall. But how many of you know I still believe that you can still be slain in the Holy Ghost and have a God encounter? They said, that's not scriptural. I said, you need to read Acts chapter nine. God has a, Saul has a God encounter and it knocks him off his beast. He is knocked down and he begins to ask, Lord, who are you? Where are you? What's going on? How was he knocked down? Because just like tonight, when I flipped that switch on in my house, and that darkness has invaded every part of my home. And my children are scared. My little boy, Ashton, is scared to walk down the hall. Only thing daddy has to do is flip the light switch and everything that he thought was evil and crooked and everything that was uncertain and everything that he was unsure of and everything that he couldn't comprehend and fear gripped his mind as soon as daddy, all powerful daddy, look how powerful I am. And he thinks, look what my daddy's done no son only thing I did was touch a light switch and when that light comes on that light will push out every form of darkness and that darkness has to flee can I tell you tonight the day you got saved God pushed the darkness out of your life are you listening tonight that's what we need to happen this week. That's what needs to happen in Oconee County. Tonight, there are people at a funeral home and they're in mourning of what might have been. We need God encounters where the light will flee, uh, the, excuse me, the darkness will flee from the light. But instead of that happening, we're not allowing the people of God or the church to have God encounters anymore. We need another divine moment with the master that will change a person's life forever. We need another God God encounter that we can't explain it. We need another God encounter that we're not rushing to get out of church. We need another God encounter that when we get on the phone to tell somebody, we can't tell them what happened. Brother Ronnie, we just gotta say this. You should have been in the house of God because the Holy Ghost showed up and showed out in our midst. When this happens, the light shines and knocks him down. When this light penetrates that darkness, it begins to change him. And this is what I'm gonna preach and I'll close. The book of 2 Corinthians points this out. For us to have these God encounters, we have got to quit praying the way that we've been praying that God would just touch somebody. No, 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 no. What we need is to pray specific. The reason that I believe that some people are not being saved and you look at, as I said earlier, you can have twins in a house, one be full of the Spirit, and the other one totally hate God. The Bible teaches us, it says in the book of 2 Corinthians, that there is a veil upon their face or their eyes, and they cannot see. Why? Because the God of this world has what? Blinded them. As I prayed, and I'm not being funny, and I'm not trying to hurt, but I'm being very honest. As I prayed for this week, it's almost like in the spirit, there are people that are spiritually blind. They have the stick in their hand trying to find out where to go. But the Bible said, if the blind lead the blind, shall not they both fall into the ditch? Here's what we're doing. We're trying to have just enough of Jesus to get people to become members, but we're not trying to have enough of God and light to see them 
totally changed by the power of God. We don't want nobody not off their routines anymore. We don't want nobody not down so much that they look different to the world when they go back home. We don't want God to totally transform somebody so much that everything about them is different. The day that I got saved and went back to my dad's job, people started saying something like this. Bob, what happened to them? Something changed. His speech changed. His looks changed. His attitudes changed. Why don't he stay around us anymore when we tell dirty jokes? Why does he go to his skitter and read that little book in his hand? I tell you why. Because when God changes somebody, God changes somebody. He doesn't save them halfway. He doesn't leave them halfway in darkness. God takes them from darkness all the way to marvelous light and totally changes their life tonight. Will you give God praise if you believe that in this house? That light that shone in the darkness in the life of Saul. Light represents first Jesus Christ. He said in the book of John, I am the light of the world. Secondly, it represents your faith. You're supposed to shine your light so they can see your good deeds and your good works and so they might believe. And then it represents righteousness. It is a total opposite of depravity and sin. So when the Bible speaks of light, it speaks of light in a way that brings about the power that only God can bring. Are you listening? The Bible said the earth was without form and it was void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And what happened? God said, let there be what? light. He was letting you know that the only one that can break the darkness is God himself. Not five steps, not 10 steps, not a program, not who you are, not my pretty singing, nor my good looks, not who I know in Malden, nor in Cleveland. See, that can go for a while. We can move the church of God checkers and we can do all this kind of stuff, but bring somebody possessed with devils. You say, Pastor, why are you on the edge tonight? Because I know where I'm going this week. The last time I preached at PD Youth Camp, I've told you this before, there was a young lady came to the altar, tried to kiss me while I was standing at the altar, pulled me down to her, and with the sweetest, nicest, sincere, beautiful voice that I ever heard, she says, I am a homosexual and I absolutely hate you. And then I watched her pick up two 300-pound preachers, one on one arm, one on the other arm, and she picked up both of them off the floor. I know where I'm going to preach to this week. But I also felt the Holy Ghost speak in my spirit and let me know that these type people, a little bit of church, and 12 o'clock church, and 6 o'clock church, and 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, and a little this and a little gospel and a little singing and a little coconut pie, it's not gonna pull them out of darkness. For them to come out of darkness, it takes one thing. It takes the light of God to shine in their path to show them where they are and break the chains that are in their life. Go, go into the Second Corinthians uh, 4, please. I wanna walk this down. Look to your neighbor and say, he's preaching tonight. Would you do that for me? We need God's light to shine once again. We need God's light to shine. Somebody say amen. amen. While he's pulling up 2 Corinthians 4, if you understand 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, it says that they don't understand what we preach to them. It is foolish to them, the preaching of the cross. When Saul had this happen to him, the light shines. Now he's being led as a child. He would be led as a child, blind and taken by the hand. Where he once is in control, he is no longer in control anymore. Amen? You got it from verse one. I'm sorry, my friend. How many of you know Joy does a great job tonight? Amen? Give him a hand. 
Now, if he does a great job, somebody should buy his supper at the church. Amen? You only got three amens right then, brother. Amen? <laughs> Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Watch this. Watch what Paul's saying. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitful, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves, every man's conscience in the sight of Almighty God. Watch this, verse three. But even if the gospel it is veiled, it is veiled to them who are perishing. One more verse. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And let me break this down. First of all, Paul says to them, I didn't come preaching myself. And I didn't come telling you about who I am. He said, I come preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest compliment that anybody has given me in a long time is when Mike Terramano said this morning, if you know two things about Pastor Nolan and North Wahala, they love people and what? They preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul is writing to a group of people, listen to me, who had plenty of money and prestige, who lived on a port city. They had so much money, they could pay people to preach what they wanted to hear. If I didn't like what Brother Nolan's preaching, I'll find Herschel, just using you by example. And Herschel saying, you know what? I can be bought. So Herschel, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars a week to tell me that I can have affairs, that I can steal, I can hate my daddy. And the Bible calls them benefactors. That's what they're called. They're benefactors. That's why Paul also said in Corinthians that at this very time, he said the labor is worthy of hire. You should pay the man of God a respectable wage. You should give honor where honor is due. But Paul said, for me at this season, I don't want any money why? Because I don't want to be lumped in with the benefactors and people say that what I'm preaching, I'm preaching because somebody's telling me to do it or somebody's paying me to do it. What Paul was saying to them, the gospel is so powerful. Are you listening? It doesn't need my ability, my looks, or my prestige. He says, what I'm preaching to you to get you to come from darkness to light is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know it's old fashioned. I know people don't like it. I know I'm in the minority. I know there's all people on TV. There's a new movement in the church of God. I recently had my feelings hurt by two young church of God preachers recently. Pastor Godwin, they told me this. They said, you do realize now you're part of the old school. You're part of the old move of God. Hurt my feelings. I don't even know what it means. I'm about to turn 40 and people telling me I'm not only old physically, but I'm old spiritually. Seriously, hurt my feelings. I thought, goodness, God, what am I gonna do now? I'm old physically and now I'm so old spiritually, I don't even fit in with the young preachers anymore. And I thought I was a young preacher. But you know what I've come to understand? Doesn't move me, doesn't bother me. You understand what I'm saying? I could spike my hair if I had hair. I'd wear skinny jeans if I could have skinny jeans. But fat people don't wear skinny jeans. You understand what I'm saying? I don't hate on them, so don't hate on me when I'm up here in this suit because I'm trying to cover up a bunch of fat. But you hear me tonight, understand what I'm saying? 
saved. I feel just like the Apostle Paul. We're trying to take people from darkness to light and we're doing it by our good works and our good preaching and our cute little sayings and bless me on Facebook and if I could just have 10 people like me on Facebook, then my child will come off drugs hogwash tonight. It will never happen. That's nothing but a bunch of religious, spiritual, hocus pocus of people that don't pray anymore and who don't walk in the spirit. Your child is not going to be saved because Brother Nolan's your pastor. Your child is not going to be saved because you come to the North Walhalla Church of God. That veil that is on his eyes and that darkness that he lives in, it's not going to happen because you walk around and you do spiritual tic-tac-toe with your best spiritual partner. The only thing that would take them from darkness to light is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of Almighty God. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody say amen. amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know when this gets on our, our website, somebody's going to call me up mad. It'll be okay. You, we're big boys and girls. It'll be all right. That's what's wrong with us. Listen to me. That's what's wrong. We're trying to water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to make it palatable to everybody so we don't make anybody upset or offend anybody else. But we have offended the Holy Ghost so much and grieved the Spirit of God and nobody even cares anymore. And a meth is running through our county. And prescription drugs are on the rise where people are abusing their body and trying to cope with everyday society. And Paul said, these things cannot be done by the presence of mortal man. Go back to verse one, please. Are you with me? I got seven minutes. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Verse two. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness. Watch this. I, 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 don't, I didn't mean to stay here. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He was saying to them, stay verse three, I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. Mike would tell you, I've not one time told him what to do or where to go. I will not do that. If God allows him to stay here, it'll be by the Holy Ghost. If God sends them to Gap Hill, Praise Cathedral, South Sumter, or, or to the Moran Livingston's church at the Central Church of God, it will be by the leading of the Holy Ghost. Paul says, I took this word of God and I handled it before you in a righteous and godly way. Watch verse three now. Watch what he says. The reason why. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to them that are perishing. Come here, Aiden. Come here. Come here. You need these glasses? Be honest, don't play. He says he needs these glasses. I think he's just trying to be pretty, but that's a different story tonight. Without these glasses, he says he can't read. Using that as an illustration, what the Bible is trying to say to him, he needs these for sight. So Paul says, there is a veil that is hindering the sight. These glasses with a veil behind them serve no good purpose, no greater purpose. I don't care what prescription he has, if there's something between the glasses and the eye, these glasses are insufficient. Sit down right there. That's what Paul is saying. 
Paul is saying that there is a spiritual veil. Brother Nola, you can't prove that. Back up one chapter. What does Paul say about the Israelites in the Old Testament? That there is a veil upon their eyes and it is still there to this very day. That's what he says. That veil is there and people, listen to me, this is what the Holy Ghost wants me to tell you. And this is what I'm gonna pray against tomorrow night. What we're doing is we're trying to take people to God who've not had a God encounter and we're trying to let them have a God encounter our way and our plans without offending them, without getting them uncomfortable, with making sure it fits in our time frame. And we're doing it saying, you could come be a part of us and you don't even have to have the veil removed. It will never happen. I'm going to say it again. It will never happen. For him to be saved, to see the light. Little Hank Williams, for some of you that are older, I saw the light. <laughs> Only Bo got that. He's from Florida. Amen. For that to happen, the veil has got to be removed. I text two parents yesterday. We've been praying wrong. There are some specific devils and some specific strongholds that have our kids captive. Internet pornography. Drug addiction. They can't see the glory of God because they're veiled. Only thing they know is touch, touch, taste, smell, sense. They're bound and blinded by what? Verse four, the God of this world. So how do we see them delivered? A God encounter. Where light shines in the darkness and the veil is removed. Brother Noel, that's gonna take warfare. You better believe it. But if they're not worth much to you, why should they be worth something to somebody else? The veil has got to be removed. What veil is blinding your children tonight? Is it pride, arrogance, sexual sin, perversion, debauchery, wickedness in high places? What is it that has them so bound and so blind? Verse four there. What is it that has them that way? Until the God of this world, we fight against him, spiritual wickedness in high places, and we start moving that veil, it's not going to happen. But what if the church starts praying? And we start praying and touching and agreeing. How can two walk together unless they agree, Amos said. If we start agreeing and we pray specific against those strongholds, my child is bound by meth. We come against meth tonight and we pray that you anoint his eyes with eye salve. One night I'm preaching on the eye at PD Youth Camp. I'm preaching where in the book of Luke where Jesus talks about the eye and how the light enters the eye the wrong way. There's things that have it distorted how the whole body is polluted. You understand what I'm saying? That's what's happening. We are distorting the word of God and we are rejoicing over partial victory. I'm not rejoicing over a partial victory tonight. I want to see total deliverance. Anybody listening? Total deliver deliverance. Danny, if you'll come to the pen, I'll close. Watch this. Least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. Go to verse five. Just pull it up for me, please. 
For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus the Lord and ourselves of bondservants. That last part of verse four, when it talks about the light being shown upon them, it's him saying that once the gospel is received and the veil comes down, God doesn't just shine the light. He changes their life. And then they become Christ-like. You remember when Saul was telling people what to do? What happens after the light shines about him? He's not telling people what to do anymore. Come here, Aiden. The Bible says somebody's taking him by the hand now. Taking him somewhere else. To Ananias. See, his life changed. Why? Because it represents salvation. When you're bound and you're blind, you're the God of your life, you think. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, through the humility and the forgiveness of sins, God goes to work in your life. And you start at ground zero with a spirit of humility saying, teach me, Lord. And God took the apostle, took Saul and made him the apostle Paul because the light broke up the darkness in his life. But how are they going to come? If the church refuses to preach the power of God and pray the veil down. When's the last time you pray specific about your family and what they're bound to? They're blind. Pray it down. Pray it down. Have you ever been in your family and thought, why are you so different? The difference is the scales have come off your eyes and the scales are still on their eyes. What about your children that don't believe in Jesus Christ? They believe that all that we're doing is foolish. When's the last time you prayed, God, tear the veil off their mind? Pull it down, the ignorance that is there. Are you listening? Light represents holiness and it represents truth. Darkness represents immorality and things that are a lie. It's the exact opposite of each other. It's time for the light to break the darkness in our lives. Amen? Stand with me, please, all over the house tonight. Here's what I want to do, please, as we close. You said, Pastor, did you preach tomorrow night's message? No, I really just gave you an introduction of some things I've studied all week. How many believe that God can still turn a life around? Amen. Here's what I want to do tonight. I know we have something across the road, but we have something first at this altar. You say, Pastor, I've got children. I don't know why I'm so burdened for children and grandchildren tonight who are blind. We've taught them. We've instructed them. We've prayed over them. But it seems like they can't move forward. They're walking in circles. I'm telling you tonight, they're blind. They're bound. There's a veil over their eyes. But how many know that I serve a God that can move that veil tonight? Amen. If you would, would you step out? Grab your spouse's hand. Grab a prayer warrior's hand. Let's pray tonight. Would you come stand? I want you to come stand. I want to anoint you tonight. I wondered if you were listening tonight. It was I hitting the moment, the point, but I see people coming. One more time. Lift your hands. Can we do that? I'm not in a hurry. Just lift your hands for a moment. We wait on you, Lord. Holy Ghost, chain breaker, way maker. That lady called in the act of adultery. The last verse says when she was delivered, you said that light shone upon her path 
and she was changed and delivered. Let light shine, God. Let it shine. Let it shine. In Jesus' name. All right. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. 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 We're to go across the road. We're going to eat cake and ice cream, celebrate, fellowship. Please, everybody, come over. Just stay. Come right over. Let me just go ahead and dismiss you in prayer. And also pray a prayer blessing over that anointed cake and ice cream. It's anointed, right? That's right. Father, we love you. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house. God, we bless the food tonight, the ones that prepared it. Thank you for this great number that's come out to celebrate you and lift up your name. Father, be with our young people as they're traveling tonight and tomorrow and our workers and our youth pastor and those that are leading. God, we love you. We honor you tonight. Let the light shine in us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Amen.